Brain, part of the Geek Show Podcast Network. We are that corner of the Geek Show that likes to talk about the good, the bad, and the befuddling of movies, either starving about or by pop stars. No, the podcast covers such a broad range of musical and cinematic genres, from documentaries to science fiction, from country and western to hip-hop. I'm your host, Graham Williamson. I'm a writer for Byline Times, We Are Cult, and of course, the Geek Show, as well as short filmmaker. And I've been joined this week by... Mick! Hello, Mick. Where can people Hello. find you? Where can fa- people find me? Um, dark corners of the internet. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> no, you, can, you can find me on the Behold podcast usually, talking um, inanely about comic strip adaptations. And you should, because Behold is a lot of fun. Well, I, I, I recently bumped into a listener of Behold. Or is that oh. a B-listener? Anyway, I bumped into a listener of Behold who said, I started listening to two blokes blathering on about something, and then later I woke up and they'd finished. So, (laughs) marketing for you. We're going to use that as a tagline. Yeah, you don't get that with just any podcast. Behold, the podcast for insomniacs. Do you think it's a, a kind of ASMR thing? Do you think you and Andrew's voices combine to produce some sort of strange tingling sensation? I, I, yeah, I think it, I think it's a, a sympathetic harmonic vibration that we create. Definitely. Yeah. Let's see if we can create similar I mean, to, tingles. To, to be fair, it happens to me halfway through recording them. So, you know, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if we can create similar tingles with uh, our film today, which we are doing in tribute to the late Terry Hall, who died in late 2022. Uh, This is Dance Craze, a film by Joe Massett, a man who we have never covered before, despite him being a very pop screen friendly director. Are you aware of his other credits? I'm not. Do tell. He directed the 1960s hippie film Wonderwall with its George Harrison soundtrack that uh, famously inspired Noel Gallagher to think, that's a good one, I'll nick that. Yeah. I mean, any of the things that Noel Gallagher thought, that's a good one. I did realise part of the way through saying that that didn't narrow it down. Things like being a beetle. Uh, he also directed The Song Remains the Same, the Led Zeppelin movie. Uh, yeah. An eclectic mix of genres he's worked with then. Definitely, yes. Uh, in this, he's really made a swerve from Led Zeppelin into uh, recording music that is good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank God it's not just me on the planet. It's then. not just you. I hate Led Zeppelin as well. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of bands who can't be asked to name albums. <laughs> yes, yeah. This is our fourth album. What shall we call it? Uh, four? <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. I mean, people talk about how what great musicians they are, but there are whole stretches on their live albums when Plant and Jones can't even be bothered to play anything and they just leave Bonham drumming. I assume yeah. that's a mistake. I can't imagine anyone thought a long drum solo would be a good idea. Oh, now, interestingly, um, 
as you know, I am a, a, a big fan of the work of the Weller fella. Oh, of course, yeah. During the live tours of the Style Council, the rest of the band quite often used to leave the stage to leave young Stephen White uh, doing his stuff to dropping bombs on the White House. Complete with a like back projected presentation of bad things um, to accompany the drumming, and then they come back on afterwards. And it was quite impressive, especially the bit where he threw his sticks up in the air mm. and caught them and carried on. I mean, the Style Council was a whole eve of Paul Weller's career that was dedicated to testing the preposition how many obviously bad ideas can I make work? Well, yeah, but it's amazing how many of them actually did. Completely. I'm on side with you there. I yeah. like the style council. It's, it's, it's... The thing is, he went off, did his own thing, and then every now and then, like, the music industry said, give us a three-minute pop song, and he just went, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Bang. We are not here also... to talk about the style council. No, not, we are here to talk about yeah. every single band of the early 80s, judging by the lineup here with yes, specials, got, madness, We've got a lot of very overlooked bands like Body Snatchers and um, as you say, Bad Manners, who are still touring. <laughs> we're, we're, there's a, there's a, a Scar Punk Festival takes place in Leeds every year. Right. And we always look at the lineup because um, we've rarely been disappointed when we've arrived. Yeah. Um, this year, the lineup is from the jam, Bad Manners, and some more recent ones like Death of Guitar Pop. So we'll give it a bit. It's and my quite... missus actually turned around to me and said, it can't be bad manners, Buster Blood Vessel's dead. And I went, is he? And we looked <laughs> it up and no, he isn't. It's, it's, qu it's quite an impressive sort of feat of longevity for a band who were named after one of their lead singers' most likely health problems. Yes. <laughs> you wouldn't think that would go on for a long time. No. Um, I remember one of the big selling points uh, was the fact that he had a 13-inch tongue, which was yes. on display quite prominently throughout his performances much evidence of that here i would say yes, yes. indeed so yes because dance craze is essentially a concert film massett wanted to make a film about madness mm -hmm. uh, and then he got to britain and I, i've read a lot of reviews on places like imdb and letterboxd from americans who were like i was completely unaware that the british had successfully worked out a way to make good scar music and yeah i can understand how for an american you'd sort of be quite shocked at that really wouldn't you well i think i think um importing a lot of jamaicans helped yes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I mean, the, the, the thing is, I think, while whilst this is quintessentially a, a concert film, mm. I think what it does do is capture the whole ethos of what Scar and Two-Tone at that time in Britain was, yeah. which was to create a cultural melting pot. 
Mm. And and I think that the specials obviously were the driving force behind that, setting up the two-tone label with Chrysalis. Um, which begs the question, what would that music scene have been like if Terry Hall hadn't been? Yes, it's a very good point, isn't it? Because when I was watching this, one of the things that, you know, you were given a received version of British musical history where, you know, Don Letts gets the punks into reggae and that yeah. forms the British ska scene. And, you know, I'm sure there's a level of truth to that. But <laughs> I also found myself thinking that Hall is the absolute link between ska and punk and yes. that for all that a lot of the specials politics come from Linville Thompson and Jerry Dammers and the other members of the band okay. when you've got a ska band fronted by someone who is, is such a sort of menacing prowling ambiguous stage presence mm. I think that's the thing that makes punks think oh right that's one of us this and can I, be I, our music too, and I think I think that's that's the beauty, is it? Because with the punk movement itself, mm. a lot of those punks weren't everyday guys. They were art school dropouts and stuff like that. They were performance artists and mm. and all that that were frustrated by the opportunities they got. Yes, but quite a lot of them still went home to middle class parents and families, yeah, <laughs> and the like. Um, whereas Terry Hall, you look at him and he looks, certainly circa 1979, 1980, he looks like a bored kid who's on the road to Borstal. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Older viewers will remember what Borstals are. <laughs> yes. And it kicks off, the film kicks off with Nightclub by the Specials, which has that yeah. key couplet, I don't have to work because there's no work to do. Yes. You know, it's it's very direct. It's I think maybe if we're talking about what Scar could have ended up like, there could have been a version of it where it was too conscious of its Jamaican roots. Yes. and it, yeah. it ended up not communicating to anyone outside that community. And I, and I think that was the beauty with those bands that, that mm. and all the bands that are featured um, recorded at some point on the two-tone label. And, and mm. it wasn't just them. The two-tone label itself had other artists recording. Elvis Costello recorded on two-tone for a time. So <coughs> I think it was that burgeoning melting pot of, of the, the the white music and the the black music all facing the same frustrations yeah. and it just became this glorious albeit short-lived sadly um explosion of a completely different sound it was completely different to everything else in the chart and even within it the bands themselves all had very definite identities you know, the madness were the nutty boys. Um, you had your body snatchers that was all female. You had the selector that was female led. Mm. Um, all very different. And, and bad manners were kind of a, a little bit more on the oi side. Yes. And, yeah. and were almost like the sort of novelty act mm. within the w w within the group. But there was a very 
firm sound identity, which I don't think you get in other musical genres so much. They either all sound exactly the same, like your heavy metals and your thrash metals and stuff like that, or they sound so different that it might not actually be a genre in like which is what I found with 90s R and B. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was a wide scoping description, but half the acts didn't sound anything like the others. I always found that with Britpop as well. I just don't yeah. see any musical connection between Elastica and Ocean Colour Scene. I don't get that well, at all. Because they were releasing popular music and they were British. <laughs> yes. So on, on, on that basis, Ed Sheeran. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it wasn't fantastically defined. I yeah. think one of the strengths that Scar had in that sense then is that it's sort of not so much a musical movement as a concept. It doesn't come with a load of very restrictive rules about what this musical style is and what it That's won't right. do. It's just yeah. like all right, we're going to make like Jamaican music, but we're going to make it with like mixed race groups of British kids talking about yeah. things that are relevant to them. Yeah. Go off and do what you want with that. Yeah, and 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 it, and it works. You can very mm. definitely tell the bands that were part of that, and they still have a strong following. I mean, I I, I went to see. The selector supporting the jam uh, back in November. Mm. Every bit as exciting as they were back in the day. Yeah. Just as lively, just as vibrant. And the sad truth is, a little bit of politics coming up, spoiler alert. Um, what they're singing about is just as relevant because that movement grew up in yeah. the heyday of the Thatcher administration. And here we are again with rampant strikes and everything else. And those bands are still doing the songs they were doing then. And it still means just as much. We are still getting ghost towns. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the selector, I wanted to talk about the selector a bit because this film did persuade me that out of all of that, early wave of ska bands all of whom were terrific live by the way part of the point of this music is it goes off like a bomb live but yes, yes. the selector might just have been the tightest live band of them all i mean they are fantastic here and still are yeah they are still fantastic uh so um, at the ska punk festival the lineup was selector beat stiff little fingers and the buzzcocks and for me, wow. the weakest of the th four was the Buscocks. <laughs> Bloody hell. 40 years he's had to learn to play that guitar. 40 <laughs> years. And now, of course, Beachelli's dead, so he won't actually master it at any point. Um, <laughs> Stiff Little Fingers was a bit of a revelation for me. It wasn't a band I've been particularly familiar with and found myself enjoying their set. The beat I'd always been a huge fan of, but this wasn't Dave Wakeling's beat. Mm. as seen in dance craze so it was good but not as good but the yeah. selector um, I mean tight yeah. tight tight just and, and still releasing good music as well new albums that are still 
just as powerful in terms of their subject matter. How did you feel about the specials reunion, by the way? Because they put out a couple of new albums, and I know it's been kind of a, a sore spot with some fans of the band. <laughs> they they did, and I think this is I think this is the difference between a band like the Selector, because mm. the Selector haven't really ever gone away. Yeah. Pauline Black's gone off and done a bit of acting here and there, but they've never kind of officially sort of stopped being the selector, whereas the specials kind of have. Mm. And I think that's the difference. They've come back together, and I think when you do that as a band, obviously you've gone off and you've absorbed different influences. And then you come back together and... It kind of sounds a bit like the specials, but it also kind of doesn't. Yeah. And that that's what I felt with um, Encore and similar bits and pieces. It yeah. just didn't feel right. It was just something. Yeah. Else. I mean, for a lot of people, that's down to Jerry Dammers not being there. Yeah. I, I will say there is, of course, a huge, you know, case to be made for Dammers as the specials presiding genius, particularly since most of the others didn't start writing songs until they were well established. But I mean, the, the thing is with Terry Hall, he covered a lot of ground. I mean, when he went off to do Fun Boy 3, I, I think Fun Boy 3 are fantastic. Yeah, I absolutely yeah. love Fun Boy 3. And that's yeah. There's no falling off there, in my opinion. No. It's still an absolutely great band. Yeah. And 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 the colour field stuff as yeah. well is, is is good. I mean, thinking of you is probably one of my all time favourite jaunty little pop songs that when you actually read the lyrics is so much more than a jaunty little pop song. <laughs> Well, he was good at that, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of specials and Fun Boy 3 songs that have that yeah. quality where you're singing along and it's you think, well, fancy that, to yes. quote one of yes. the most horrifying yeah. examples. Well, exactly. Um, and that is, oh, oh, this is quite, oh, this is a little bit, oh, I'm, I'm, remind, I'm, I'm putting in mind of some of the Style Council's more, Paris influence stuff here. Oh yeah. Oh the what now? <laughs> oh, all right, okay. But yes, I mean when we're talking about the darker songs in the Scar Canon, it is worth noting that Rhoda Dakar, the lead singer of the Body Snatchers wanted to put out her self-penned song The Boiler as one of their singles. Yes. And she had to wait until Dammers reformed the specials as the special aka before he was aware of that song and he brought mm. her on board to record and it. And it is a powerful song. It's I think Alexis Petridis described it as the best song you're only ever going to listen to once. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But that that was like I say that was very early on in the Body yeah. Snatchers career. So there is yeah. a parallel universe version of Dance Craze where they have to like play the boiler in the middle of it and just sort of try and win the audience back from there. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, and 
But then talking about Dan's Craze the movie, mm. it it's got a weird identity, I mm. feel. Because I thought I was when it when it first I should point out that I didn't have the opportunity to go to the cinema at the time when this was out originally. Um the cinema was something that other people did. Um so I never saw it when it was first out. And mm. it's had scant DVD and Blu-ray release. Yes, although this is going to be corrected next month by the BFI, we're told. Yes. So so this was my first viewing of Dan's Craze, even though I was a, a massive Scan two-tone fan. Mm. Uh, and still am. Uh, but I I started it four times because I thought I was watching the wrong movie. <laughs> I thought I was watching something from 1960 about, I don't know, tea dances in London. Yes! Because <laughs> you've got that Hathé Newsreel style intro where it's, this is London! <laughs> <laughs> Look at all these young persons doing this dance thing. It's turned into a bit of a craze. And then, and then it cuts from. to the special stick, <laughs> which does indeed look very crazed. Yeah. So, and then, for no apparent reason, it does an intermission style cafe usually yes. halfway through, where it's it's kind of like the old guard discussing these young teenage types. Which I think is very funny, although it goes on a bit too long. Yes. Uh, I think part of it is Masset has clearly detected that there is some sort of sense of humour around British Sky. You know, you can't yeah. watch Madness or Bad Manners and not notice that. So he's trying to ironise it, but in a way that isn't quite the same sense of humour as the bands have. Yeah. And I, I, what I think is, is quite good about it, though, um, and, and you're right, it, that, that middle section does go on a little bit too long. Yeah. But I do think that what it does is it it highlights the fact that you can be quintessentially English in two very different ways. Mm. There's your working and indeed non-working class. Yes. Englishness. And there's your Pathé Newsreel received pronunciation Englishness. Yeah. And and I think it, do, it does juxtapose those two things very nicely. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think there's, you know, it's not an entirely unmotivated inclusion. It does establish that a lot of the things that people will be talking about when they talk about Scar, you know, is it pure escapism? Is there some other dimension to it? Is it antisocial? Is it violent? You know, this is how youth movements have been talked about in Britain forever. Yeah. Well, except possibly in the Regency period. I don't know, man, the Regency period could get pretty wild. There yeah. were highwaymen then. <laughs> Makes all your bands look quite tame, really. Oh, that was just an adamant invention, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. 
I think that maybe what he's picking up on is that there is this kind of ironic attitude towards culture of the past in Scar, and he gets it when when Madness play their great Scar version of Swan Lake, yeah. and he cuts footage of actual ballet into yes. it to the rhythm. Yes. It, that's yeah. when that kind of irony really works, I think. Yeah, that was a fantastic EP when it came out, the Swan Lake EP. What else was on that? Uh, I believe that's where they lifted the actual single uh, Return of the Lost Palmer 7 from. Ah. With its famous uh, verbiose lyrics. <laughs> yes. Wait um, And it also came with a little comic, a Nutty oh. Boys comic. But I can't remember the rest of the track listing because it, like so much of the things I loved in my youth, is a dim and distant memory. Yes. Uh, But yeah, that that is a fantastic version and I I do love that. Madness seemed to have quite an odd relationship with this film considering that it was intended as a vehicle for them i know that a lot of the versions of it you can find online have the madness sections cut out at the request of their management yeah and i think i think there was a bit of bad blood um, right at the time of them moving from two-tone to stiff Hmm. Uh, because stiff's business uh ethics were quite bombastic i believe right uh so i i don't think it was a a friendly split and there were also there were always all sorts of little bits of trouble brewing between chrysalis management and two-tone and chrysalis management and the band and of course elvis costello went off to stiff as well bad manners ended up at magnet b ended up on arista so the, the actual label got quite fragmented, and I don't know how much of that carried bad blood between the bands and the labels, and how much of it was management and stuff. But I tend to think that pop fandom remains roughly the same throughout the ages. It's just the technology that changes. Yeah. But I will say that one aspect of pop fandom that younger listeners will sadly never experience is that feeling of having a favorite record label yes polydor was mine back in the day domino was mine i mean apart from obvious ones like motown and stacks yeah yeah of the ones that put out a that weren't synonymous with one particular type of music it was polydor for me I suspect because they had Jam and the Who. Well, that doesn't hurt, does it? No. No. <laughs> but Two Tone is a great example of that because, uh, yeah. as you've mentioned yourself earlier on, Two Tone is not just a record label that has loads of great bands. There is a whole ethos, a whole politics yeah. behind Two Tone that is also part of you know, the lifestyle that you take on board as you listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and so it's a shame it didn't last longer mm-hmm. as an entity. And and I think part of that was this exodus of bands. You know, the, the specials were good and great, but were they enough to sustain a label imprint? Yeah. You know, 
Um, and most of the other bands were either dropped by Two Tone or, or anyway, Chrysalis ended up pulling the funding really for Two Tone. So, mm. and I don't think Chrysalis lasted much longer after that anyway. I think they got swallowed up by Ireland, who then got swallowed up by somebody else. So, Yes, uh, it's it's just struck me that Two Tone was is kind of like the reverse of Apple, isn't it? That Apple started <laughs> off as just being the Beatles' vanity label, and then it expanded to include other bands. And Two Tone started off as a proper label, and then ended up just holding <laughs> specials as their yeah. only card. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it, like I say, it is a shame. Um, but you know, it was what three four glorious years of yeah i think that there's something to be said for the idea that in pop sometimes the best things are the things that do not last for a long time yes like wickfield (laughs) yes absolutely (laughs) (laughs) well it's it's it's, i I want that expunged from the record immediately (laughs) (laughs) tough luck that's the trailer um It's funny though because that that's in a strange way you've sort of getting close to my example, which is that when I was a kid, Acid House was getting in the charts, and that is a scene yeah. which at the time was almost illegal, and certainly no one was in it to make a long career and have hundreds yeah. of platinum albums. You know, yeah. most of them just wanted to not be in jail this time yeah. next year, but. That sort of makes it perfect for pop music, really. No one cares who's making these records. No one cares about the inner angst within the lyrics. It's just a series of irresistible singles that are getting banged out. Yeah. But I think... I think Two-Tone was different in that regard because I think the people who listened... Live singles traditionally don't do well. Yes. And yet, Too Much Too Young was number one off the back of a live EP release. Yeah. Which and I it think was, is... It, it, it was a mega number one as well. Yeah. I mean, one of the... I suppose... I was that, that, that was the best and, songs. And, and Graham, going back to what you were saying earlier about, you know, of a different generation and not having a favourite label... That was back in the days when in order to have a number one signal, single, you had to have more than four downloads in a week. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I was thrown because I was going to say Too Much Too Young is one of the great number one hit singles. And then I thought, it's also the second best number one special single, isn't it? <laughs> Which <Yeah>. is like, <laughs> that's how high their quality control was. I mean, you know, it... And it's the and it's it's good that you mentioned that because the other one was of course Ghost Town. Yes. Now, one is a very raw live performance of a, of an early specials hit, and the other is a band at the pinnacle of their technological and uh, well, sorry, technical mastery of their art. Yeah. And they could not sound more different. Ghost Town is one of those songs which is so familiar and so rightly beloved now that we are all in danger of forgetting how weird it is. The fact that 
It is technically a scar single, but it has this weird sort of cod Arabic keyboard part. The yeah. chorus is just wordless wailing. I mean, all of the trip hop bands of the mid nineties were all mad on two tone. And if you want to know why, if you want to know what appealed to like massive attack and tricky and portish head about this sound, just listen to Ghost Town because it's all yeah. on there. It's fifteen years too early, but it's all on there. <laughs> it's the prototype. Absolutely. Yeah. Too expensive to put into production just now, but Yes. But yeah, and 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 this is the point. And I, I know when we were discussing what we were going to do um, as a recording, and I suggested dance craze. Um, we were talking about a, a tribute to, to Terry Hall, mm. and you, you mentioned the "Well Fancy That" track earlier. Yeah. So for for listeners who don't know, um, the story is that Terry Hall uh, was abducted mm. and uh, sexually assaulted on a trip to France by school teachers. Yeah. Um, and was then just dumped by the side of the road. Now, normally in those kind of situations, it doesn't end that well. Yeah, yeah. And so if it had gone down a darker path and Terry Hall had not actually um survived that we could have had just no two-tone there would have been a gap in that musical history i'm not saying that the specials wouldn't have fallen, but I'd, it's whether they would have had that that magical spark that magical something that was the combination of jerry dammers terry hall neville staples etc you know yeah because there is something magnetic about Terry Hall as a front man. I mean, l- like I said earlier, he doesn't. I mean, have he any... makes Morrissey look happy, <laughs> doesn't he? I mean, there's a certain unadulterated joy to Morrissey in comparison. Morrissey, I guess, it is kind of flamboyant and expressive. Terry Hall, perhaps unsurprisingly, given what we've just detailed, yeah. is very tightly wound on stage indeed. And that's part of the, the compulsion of the man. You know, yeah, it, you watch almost, him and you think he's going to pop off almost, at any minute. It's almost like he's been forced on stage at gunpoint. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Uh, and, and that gives a joyous irony to the phrase, hello, I'm Terry, and I'm going to enjoy myself first. <laughs> Which was the lovely tribute that the uh, the Coventry City paid at their first home game after his death. I didn't see that. Yeah, on the big screen, they had that very quote, hi, my name's Terry, and I'm going to enjoy myself first. Lovely. As they made a two minutes applause for him. Oh, yeah. How wonderful. You mentioned that live recordings do not typically get to number one. Do you know what uh, the previous one was before Too Much Too Young? No. 
it was and my goodness this is exalted company to be in uh my ding-a-ling by chuck berry chuck berry i didn't know that was a a live recording and um, uh, do you know what is most disturbing about that that track bear i in mean mind it's take subject... your pick but go on bearing, yes. in mind it, bearing in mind it's subject matter mm. right i first heard that track being played at the christmas disco at my primary school <laughs> When I was a pupil. <laughs> yes. I mean, it does have a certain appeal to primary school children, doesn't it? It does, yes. But you would have thought that the uh, elders and betters who were providing us with our entertainment might have been a bit more astute on the lyrics. <laughs> and the meaning thereof. I don't know what you mean, Mick. It I mean, is clearly it, about a little bell. I mean, to be fair, this was also the generation where we were encouraged to write to Jimmy Savile to sit on his knee and be given prizes. Well, yeah. I mean, hearing Chuck Berry talk about his dingling is really? only a shade more I'll... wholesome than that, really, isn't it? It's <laughs> We're not talking about a man with a clean record there, either. So, um... Yeah. Can we get back to two-tone now? Uh, ideally, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know this was going to go down such dark alleys. Anyway. My mum observed uh, as we rewatched this, because she too was a two-tone girl uh, in, her, in her youth. I think I saw her on the cover of Beat Records. Quite possibly, yeah, the beat girl. <laughs> uh, she said, was there ever a better time uh, than late 70s Britain to be a saxophonist? I would say possibly uh, mid to late 80s. Oh, with the sort of jazz revival. Shade, Shade um, and uh, Animal Nightlife. Was it Animal Nightlife? I Animal don't Nightmare? know. Uh, that sounds like yeah. a suede single to me. I don't know. No, that. no, no. Animal. Oh, there, there was a band, because quite a lot of their um, members moonlighted as honorary councillors. Um, <laughs> I'm sure they were called Animal Night, Nightlife. Or, yes, I'm sure they were. Let me just look up the playlist for Smooth FM, and I'm sure that will uh, <laughs> offer me some insight. But yeah, you had uh, you had the likes of Shardy and, and and that kind of lounge stuff that was coming out around the yes. time of Julian Temple's epic Absolute Beginners, as yes. previously discussed in this parish. Which we had a great time discussing very early on in the podcast's life. Yeah, yeah do look that one up if you haven't heard that one, uh, listeners. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. I think it's basically impossible to make a concert film with the specials, the body snatchers, madness, the beat, the selector and bad manners and have it not be enjoyable. Exactly. I mean, it, you know, I'm struggling to think of a better soundtrack to a movie. I'll be honest. Completely, yeah. <laughs> um, and I would urge, if you probably, possibly not as much now that 
Terry's no longer with us, but the specials were still good live um, when I saw them. I was quite privileged to see them uh, supported by Toots and the Maytals. Nice. Um, either of the beats. I don't know what. Why is it with the beats? I was unfamiliar with this. Is this a, a sort of Beach Boys situation where well, they're I, competing? I, I, I think Dave Wakeling went off to the US and formed a version of the beat. Right. Um, and they're now called the English Beat or Dave Wakeling's The Beat. Hmm. And then Rankin Rogers still tours as The Beat. And then occasionally they'll join up and tour together, I think. It's a bit odd. <laughs> That's interesting because normally when that happens, there's been some really brutal falling out. But yeah. that, it seems like what you're describing there is a sort of beat gestalt where they can operate <laughs> as individual entities, but also <laughs> merge into one. They're, they're like a jellyfish band. Yes. Um, I, I, I think it's they're true. what... If you, if you cut a limb off a member of the beat, it grows into a new member of the beat. No, it grows into an entirely new the beat. Um, <laughs> I think there was a brutal falling out, but I think there's been a, a softening over the years. Ah, good, good. So, um, and what else was there? Uh, oh, yeah, the selector. Just go see the selector. Yeah, I'm, I'm tempted because they are fantastic yeah. in this. Yeah. Uh, I still haven't read Pauline Black's autobiography, incidentally. Do it. Probably there's, also, that. there's also a documentary coming out this year, I believe, based oh, on... Oh, no way. Excellent. Um, Black by Design. Uh, well, I think that closing flurry of recommendations brings the show to a close. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. If you uh, enjoyed this uh, you can donate to our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash The Geek Show, where you get a bonus episode of this show every month, as well as our other movie podcast last night, uh, my Doctor Who reviews, and so much more. So much more. So much more. Quite a lot more. It's a cornucopia, folks. Plenty more. Yes, that should cover us under the Trades Descriptions Act. Uh, <laughs> but until then, that's been your lot from Pop Screen. I've been Graham. And I've been Mick. And we'll see you in a fortnight's time. Mm-hmm.